Welcome, everyone, to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley, a national news and talk program dedicated to military veterans issues. And now, your hosts, David Corey and Richard Hurley. Good evening. Welcome to the Veterans News Hour for Monday, March the 21st, 2022. This is Air Force veteran David Corey along with my co-host, Richard Hurley. Thank you for joining us. We have lots of news and information for veterans and families, so please stay tuned. Let's go over to Richard Hurley. Hello, Rick. How's it going? What's new? How you doing? Good, David. How you doing? Good. Um, Welcome, everybody, to the Veterans News Hour. A uh, couple things before we get started here. Uh, David, and I think I uh, want to uh, mention the, the recent news article about the loss of the four Marines in a helicopter crash. I'm sure you heard about that. Um, I think it was a military exercise up in, in Norway. And I just wanted to acknowledge that we're aware that happened and our hearts, our hearts go out to the families of those those Marines that were lost in that helicopter crash. Um, I also want to acknowledge our Camp Lejeune uh, water contamination veterans. They've got a huge Facebook page. It's about uh, I think about twenty thousand Marines on that Facebook page, and uh, they're very active up in the Virginia area. And, uh, I know this past weekend, and I think a lot of weekends coming up, they're really rallying around. Uh, this new legislation that's uh, coming up with the uh, Campus Union Family Justice Act. And, uh, you know, <laughs> a lot of my clients are up there, as, as a matter of fact. And I want to let them know that I'm thinking about them and wishing them well. And I know they're doing campouts up there and sit-ins and everything else to get the, uh, the word out. And, and uh, you know, these are... These are older guys like myself and David, so it's not easy when you're uh, you're camping out on, uh, on uh, in parking lots overnight. So uh, again, my heart's go out to those guys. Uh, keep up the good work. Keep up the good fight. So we get back to the show, and I want to remind everybody this is a call-in show. We welcome your comments and your questions. If any of you Camp Lejeune guys are out there. And you're listening to the show. I know a lot of you guys will listen to the show. You know, you can give us a call at one triple eight six two seven six zero zero eight. Love to hear from you. Love to hear how you're doing out there and carrying on your your rebellious fight for the Camp Lejeune water contaminated vets. So again, that phone number is one triple eight six two seven six zero zero eight. Dave, you have anything to add to that? No, that's great information. Um, so we can just dive into the first segment of the show if you want. All right. Uh, I want to thank the VA online program called Make the Connection, available on YouTube and other social media platforms. We hear from the from three veterans about their experiences dealing with the effects of their military service, as well as how they cope with making the transition from military to civilian life. First, we hear from Ryan, a U.S. Army veteran, and his VA counselor, Melissa. 
Ryan had a difficult time transitioning from the service, but with the help of guidance and professional support provided Melissa by Melissa, he was able to go back to school and graduate. Doug, please roll tape one. My name is Ryan. I served in the United States Army for 12 years. I did three tours in Afghanistan and one in Iraq. My name is Melissa. I'm a counselor at the VA. I got out in 2011. I found myself going through a divorce, homeless, jobless, purposeless. Um, It kind of went in phases as far as how I dealt with it. Phase one was a lot of self-medication. In my case, it was usually through alcohol. Phase two is, man, that's a really bad idea. I'm going to go get help. So then it's doctor-prescribed medication. So that certainly helped. Phase three and four is just getting back to a, a truly healthy lifestyle. My girlfriend, I had, was talking to her and she had said, I'm getting ready to go to Eastern Michigan University. They gave me you know, this, this course outline. I think it sounds like what it is you're saying you wanna do with your life. You had an idea of what you wanted to do and you, and you knew where you wanted to go to school for that, but it was that, how do I then turn that into a career after I complete the degree? The program I did to go to school was, was vocational rehabilitation. And I got a phone call one day saying, hey, my name is Melissa. I just wanted to let you know, I'm your new voc rehab counselor. And the timely fashion and the amount of communication that Melissa had with me was the start of this lady's not playing around. I I need to make sure I'm at least matching her effort. As a rehabilitation counselor, my job is to to help the veteran identify what their unique strengths are and abilities, and then try to help them plug that into a career path. And what we do is we identify that job that they want, and then we work our way backwards from there. And my role is to identify all the different services that the veteran might need in order to reach that potential. I didn't need a lot of accommodations but I, I had a little memo that I gave to all of my professors that said, if I choose to sit in the back of the class when I might normally sit up front, don't say anything to him about it. Leave it alone. He's sitting there for a reason. If there's a test coming up, make sure he knows about it so that I can go sit in a quiet room with a proctor and nobody else around because I do have test anxiety. Yeah, it's more about working smarter instead of working harder and getting a level playing field to compensate for the aspects of the disability that create that limitation. By the time I got to Eastern, I felt like my head was mostly screwed on straight. But there were still a lot of rough times even then. One of my guys had committed suicide. Um, So there there were a lot of struggles and sometimes I just needed to vent. Melissa is absolutely great. She would say, okay, are you actually looking for a solution to try and figure out how to approach this? Yeah, I am. She would go through with me. To this day, when I think about where I was and where I am now, it brings me to tears. I wish I would have had somebody like me that was willing to turn around and reach back and be like, hey, I've already been there, been through that. Let me help you up. As a human being, we 
need to have something that we can connect to that connects us to other people. And I think when you were at your most lost, it was when you had the least amount of connections. Having somewhere to go, something to do, and then have it on top of all that be something really meaningful is, I think, what led you to where you are today more than anything. There's a lot of people along the way that have contributed to me being where I am. We're here and we want to help. We're ready to help. It's just takes that step. You got to be willing to ask for help. Well, thanks uh, to Ryan for sharing his experience and VA counselor Melissa for sharing uh, her insights. I think, uh, Rick, uh, that, that, that example tells a lot about the importance. As Ryan says, you got to be willing to reach out for help. And from the VA side, the VA has so many uh, services and programs to help veterans. Uh, it's a shame when those services aren't aren't used. So uh, I hope uh, Ryan's experience might inspire people uh, to um, to reach out and get that help. Uh, next, we're going to hear from an Army veteran named uh, Katrina. Uh, after losing her roommate while serving in the Army, Katrina had a difficult time adjusting to civilian life. She began isolating herself from others and feeling very stressed. When uh, flashbacks started, she knew it was time to get help. And uh, in this next tape, we're going to hear how her local vet center helped her uh, open up to her family and get help. So, Doug, if you'll roll the second tape, please. Uh, My name is Katrina. Um, I served in the Army in 2002 to 2005, and I was a 92 Yankee unit supply specialist. My first week back was really difficult uh, because when I deployed to Iraq, I had a roommate. And um, when I came back from Iraq, I did not anymore. She was killed overseas. And one of the hardest things that I had to go through was, you know, that glorious day when you get all your stuff back out of storage and you try to start over, you know. Um, They brought all my stuff, but then they started bringing all of her stuff. And that was hard. Um, It's those little things that you didn't think I don't I guess you can't really prepare for but as far as the transition um, I didn't want to go out grocery shopping and I thought it was perfectly normal to go grocery shopping at 11 o'clock at night when the store was still open and uh, you know I just thought uh, I don't want to deal with people uh, you know but I, I think that's easier to say than you know I feel anxious in public right now I'm overwhelmed with all these people around me. Uh, it's too busy. You know, I don't think uh, that's easy to acknowledge or say about yourself. In 2005 to 2000, I think seven or eight was when I, I finally did have uh, my first flashback. I didn't even know what a flashback was. I, I, I didn't know much of any of that, but um, I knew I had to talk to professionals. And, uh, and so that's what I did. I reached out to... Uh, a vet center in my area. As you reach out and as you talk to these these specialists, these therapists, these counselors or, or church uh, support groups, what you learn is it's okay to not be okay. You just have to acknowledge uh, what are the stressors or, or just acknowledge that you have stress. Sometimes I waste time trying to figure out what is it that's bothering me, but 
Sometimes I just need, hey, I'm bothered. I need to talk to somebody now. If you really are trying to utilize the VA or the vet centers uh, or or church resources, you have to be honest. These are my shortcomings right now. This is this is what's uh, an issue right now. And that they've always been able to not let me walk around or dance around the issues. You know, they they know. They, they know what they're doing. And then on top of that, being a, a law enforcement officer, they, they know the stresses that I still am undergoing. And sometimes they're connected, sometimes they're not. Sometimes it's just, you're not taking care of yourself. And and you need you need to, to hear that. <laughs> My family, they, they understand. They don't push. They don't love me any less or treat me any different. Um, there's nothing wrong with needing help. It's best to utilize everything and anything available that's going to make you a better person rather than feel like you're alone and feel like you're going crazy or feel like you're damaged and beyond repair because you're, you're not. We can only get better when we acknowledge that we need that help. And there are plenty of people out there that are waiting to talk to you and, and help you and give you that guidance that you need to become healthy in, in all aspects of, of your life. Well, thanks for Katrina for sharing her experience. Uh, uh, over to you, Rick, uh, for the next one. Next, we hear from Ed, a U.S. Army veteran who developed problems with drugs while in the service. In this next interview, Ed and his daughter Jasmine talked about how mental health treatment helped him get his life back on track. Doug, please roll tape number three. My name is Ed. Uh, I served in the Army, 82nd Airborne, and this from the years 1985 to 1988. I'm Jasmine, and as my dad. I was uh, infantry in the, in the military, and you know, my job was jumping on airplanes and and uh, and walking constantly. You know, uh, when I was in there, I had a couple of tragedies happen to my family. My big sister passed away. Something happened. Uh, I just wasn't myself, and I messed around, and I. Uh, indulged in some things that wasn't good as being being a soldier, so they told me uh, I couldn't re-enlist. Once I got out of the military, uh, my substance abuse uh, history just, it's, it expanded. It was terrible. I didn't have any, any any life. I would wreck families. I would get with one girl, think we were going to have a life together. I would end up leaving. He was in and out of my life. Every weekend, me and my sister would be outside waiting on Dad. Like, when is Dad coming? Sometimes. He came, sometimes he didn't. Even though he was barely there, we still look forward to see him every weekend. Every time he comes, he'd drop us off, we'd cry for like two days. I didn't really know about his drug addiction. My mom would put it in my ear, like, your dad's doing drugs. I'm like, no, he's not. He's my hero. And then it was true. He'll isolate himself from everybody. Like, he'll be quiet. I called him, leave him messages. He wouldn't answer. I didn't want to talk to him anymore for a while because of the drug use. I was actually homeless. I was living in Arizona, homeless. It was a million degrees. I had no contact with any of my family members. So I was living on 32nd Street in Van Buren behind Circle K. And that was my entire existence. I just didn't want to be here. Uh, some guy with a blue outreach jacket on uh, saw me. I has, had on some cut up BDU shorts. And uh, he asked me, was I a veteran? You know, and this was like in 2008. And he took me to some place. 
uh, it was a transitional housing facility. Uh, they, they connected me with mental health providers, substance abuse counselors, uh, and stuff like that. And next thing you know, uh, my life started to grow. I went to school for a little bit. I get back into the workforce. I started going to uh, different meetings for substance abuse and stuff like that. And I started making amends to these people. And uh, they started accepting me back. You know, I would go to Chicago and apologize to all those family members that I let down. He called me out of the blue one day. I was actually shocked to get a call from him. And he pretty much just apologized. He just, he said it was the drugs and he just apologized. That's all I wanted was an apology. And so after the apology, um, we began to talk every day. And then I just decided to come out here with him to Arizona. Next thing you know, uh, I got my life back. All those families and kids that I abandoned. They are now a part of my life. He's just more outgoing and friendly. Um, I pay their phone bills. Yeah, he's financially stable. <laughs> and I don't know, he's just a different person. Like, he just brings so much positive energy in the whole room. And so I'm, I'm really proud of him, of how far he's, he's come. I'm in a program where I, my ninth step says I have to make amends to those who I have caused wrong. And, and my amends to my children is just a lifetime amends. I have to be there when they need me. And that's, that's what I, I show up. When they call me, I'm going to show up. He does. I, I want everyone to know that, that no matter what you're going through, maybe you have an issue with substance abuse or being an addict or a mental health or PTSD, schizoaffective, all those things. Don't let those labels dictate who you are. Go out and seek professional help. I do it on a regular basis and my life has become extraordinary. The advice that I suggest is if you just work hard, maintain everything, just, you know, stay positive, and then you can overcome anything. We've overcome a lot. He's my best friend now. I love you, baby girl. I love you. <laughs> well, thank you to Ed and his daughter, Jasmine, uh, for sharing their uh, their story. I think it's very inspiring. And uh, thank God that uh, someone from that vet center uh, found Ed or when he was leaving behind that Circle K store in uh, Phoenix, and all that opened the door to a big change in his life. Uh, Rick, your thoughts? Well, yeah, I mean, it's, we hear this time and time again. And... Um, his story is, uh, you know, myself having, you know, in, myself being in recovery now 14 and a half years. Um, I'm well versed in, in what it said. I've heard this many, many times. And uh, it's a credit to him that he's taken the bull by the horn and stayed and, and stuck with it. But, you know, as, as he kind of said, and, uh, you have to day to day thing, one, one day at a time, one moment at a time. And uh, he, he can't look too far out into the future. He's going to stay, stay focused on, in his case, his sobriety. And uh, everything else, everything else is a miracle. And you know, he's, he's another example of the good that comes of uh, working hard and, and uh, taking care of your life. David, give us, give us the next segment. All right, um, on to our second segment. Um, the second segment is devoted to an issue that affects uh, many veterans. It's, it's one of the largest categories of uh, disabilities that affect uh, military veterans, and that's hearing loss and also a related disability of tinnitus, or as some pronounce it, tinnitus. There are conditions that affect many veterans due to the 
extraordinary high level of noise exposure they endured in their military service. Now, we have uh, three audio tapes this evening, thanks to the VA's SITREP program, all three of which involve interviews by Navy veteran James Christie, who interviewed Dr. Ellen O'Neill, an audiologist who works for the VA. Now, all three interviews have a lot of great information about hearing loss and tinnitus, uh, so we're going to get started. In the first tape, Dr. O'Neill discusses how veterans can get tested at the VA for hearing loss and what they can expect. So, Doug, if you'll please roll tape number four. Hello, and welcome to another edition of the SITREP. I'm joined today by Dr. Ellen O'Neill, and she's going to discuss with us hearing aids. How are you? I'm good. Thanks for coming in today. You're welcome. So, a veteran's got some hearing loss, and they want to come in. What's the process for that? So, so in the VA, uh, veterans can self-refer. So, as long as you're enrolled in the VA, you can just call us, make an appointment, and we'll get you taken care of. And what's my appointment look like? What, I mean, what are we going to do? So what you're going to do is you're going to come in. We're going to take some history information, find out what kind of noise exposure you had um, in the service, which is quite variable. Um, what other things might be affecting your hearing, family history, middle ear history. Have, did you have a lot of ear infections when you were a child? Things like that. Um, and then what other noise exposures might you have? What other health conditions do you have? Things that would influence your hearing. Um, then we'll do a hearing test. Now, the hearing test has two parts. Mm -hmm. The first part is how loud do I need to make things for you to hear them? Mm -hmm. That's the raise your hand when you hear the beep part, okay? <laughs> <laughs> so we're looking for the very softest sound you can hear, and that gets us into the ballpark for what you're going to need. The second part of the hearing loss involves clarity. So that is once I know how loud I need to make things, what do you do with them when you hear them? What does between your ear and your brain, what happens? Um, so we have you repeat a series of words. You know, you will say house and you say house. Um, and we score that. We get a percent correct. And that gives us a sense for how well you're able to use what you, what you hear. Okay. Some people will score close to a hundred. Other people will score in the forties. And I that, think I'm at that 40 range. Are, <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a challenge. Yes. It, it's a real challenge. And it depends a lot on the, the type of hearing loss you have and the degree of hearing loss you have. Um, and, you know, we'll just figure out what we need to do for you from there. Then we talk about hearing aids, assistive listening devices, uh, communication strategies, all of the different things that can help you out. You have questions? We have answers. The SITREP is your trusted source for veterans' benefits information with expert analysis and interviews with leaders from the field. To find past shows, podcasts, and other content, search hashtag the SITREP on YouTube. Thanks to the VA for that. Now, in this next tape, uh, we continue with Dr. Ellen O'Neill, who will explain the different types of hearing aids offered by the VA. So, Doug, if you'll please roll tape five. Now, being the VA, of course, 
we don't have technology or anything. So are we still giving out those little horns? <laughs> Is that how it works here? Because, you know, that's, that's how people think sometimes. That's what people think. And, and yes. I know better personally because, again, yes. I, I wear them and, and yep. I couldn't be happier. But you brought so us a few the way things. We, yep, I've, I brought a, a few examples. So the way we handle it in the VA is there are five companies that we deal with, mm-hmm. five different manufacturers, and everything we fit is top of the line. We don't play around with the, you know, in the private sector, you have to worry about, well, this one's a little less expensive, so mm-hmm. we have to carry that. In the VA, we just go straight to the top of the line, so you're getting the latest and greatest in the technology. Right. And we've got various things, depending on the situations you're in, depending on your hearing loss, of course, mm-hmm. and even things like your manual dexterity. Oh. We look at different things like that. And so we have different kinds of hearing aids. Um, there are two basic kinds. There's the kind that goes up behind the ear right. and the kind that goes in the ear. Okay. So the one up behind the ear, let me show you the big one first because it's easier to see. So this big hearing aid, mm-hmm. this goes up in back of the ear and then there's a tube that runs down and a thing that holds it in place. Stabilizer. Stabilizer, yes, <laughs> to channel the sound mm-hmm. down into your ear and so the hearing aid doesn't fall off. The in-the-ear style is much smaller. Oh, yeah. um, it's custom-made, so we take an impression of your ear so that it's going to fit you very mm-hmm. nicely. Um, I, I say that with confidence, but we sometimes have to modify. Sure. Well, <laughs> so, <yeah. laughs> but we can. That's okay. the good news. We can. Um, they're both excellent styles of hearing aids. There are advantages and disadvantages to both. Um, some people find the, the, the single piece a little bit easier to work with as far as getting it in and out. Sure. Um, the, the piece where there are two, there's a piece in and a piece behind sometimes a little trickier to get in. So especially someone with bad arthritis or an injured hand might have some trouble. Um, as far as degrees of hearing loss, just about any degree of hearing loss can be fit with okay. either. So it's All not right. so much one's better than the other. It's what's more comfortable or easier for someone exactly. to use. Exactly. Okay. What's going to be more appropriate for you. Sure. Now, one of the big advantages recently, one of the biggest complaints we always heard was, uh, you know, changing those batteries is a pain in the neck. Because <laughs> <laughs> they always go out in the middle of the meeting, in the... It, or when you're driving somewhere and you don't have that, you have 15 spare sets in your car right. and you're down to none all of a sudden. And you're down to none. Yeah. You've got yeah. no batteries with you. I, my dad, a veteran, World War II, um, I can't tell you how many times he would say, oh, my hearing aid, my battery's dead. Said, okay, so pull out the one I told you to carry all mm-hmm. the time. <laughs> yep. and, yeah, my uh, father's the same boat. Yep, and, uh, same I thing. I started carrying his batteries. You know, oh, there good were, for you. <laughs> even my hearing aids, when I got my second set, it was a different battery, a bigger one. Uh, Supposedly it's supposed to last longer. The yep. new ones now are the plugins but yep. uh, but yep. i would always carry a set for me and a set for my father because inevitably one of two one of, of you was going to need a battery change yes. always at the worst yes. possible yes, moment exactly. yes and the, and you know they they flip out of your hand yep. and they go under the heaviest piece of furniture in the room and, and that little piece flipping in and out was way too easy to break way too easy to break you know <laughs> yes. you get a hand a, a little hand like yep. this no problem yep. you get a big hand it's a, a problem so our best advancement which you already foreshadowed is the rechargeable hearing aid. Um, and these have been really popular. We can get them in both styles. Um, in the behind the ear style, it's this little egg looking yeah. thing. It plugs in, 
You drop the hearing aid in there at night, charges up, you're done. You know, and you get... And they pretty much run... Now, I listen to audio books because I drive a lot. Yeah. Um, so I can use my Bluetooth, which is Absolutely. a wonderful feature also. And I'll notice yeah, six, six o'clock at night, maybe about that time, probably 12, 13 hours into my day, yeah. I might start to lose them. But that's only if I've been listening right. to something for, like some cases, just four hours on the road. Uh, other than that, I... It's rare that mine run out. That before. Run I mean, out. even yeah. when I'm up in bed watching TV or whatever, they will go and go, and and then when I put them away at night. They're fine, but I get a full full you, day. Of you get a full day. I, you know, if if you're not streaming, you'll get 16 to 20 yeah. hours. Yeah. Good long time. Um, if you're streaming, of course, it's a much greater demand on the battery, so the time goes down. Uh, but the chargers are also portable now. They carry three charges in them. So you don't have to have it plugged into the wall and you could charge the hearing aids three times or, you know, so that's even been an improvement exactly because of that. Because we stream your phone, we stream your, your audio and, you know, books, my music, whatever. Everything. Yep. Everything. We stream the television in. We do one of the things that um we we fit with hearing aids sometimes a hearing aid all by itself isn't the complete answer yes and so we have devices this is this is a very nice little teeny tiny I have one. one of those too you have one of these one of my favorites <laughs> there you go <laughs> um and you can you can use this to stream your your tv your stereo your computer anything you need and look at the size of it yeah. it's teeny tiny you yeah. can bring it with you and put it on the table use it as a remote mic yeah. um you can that's put- what i find very in a group setting especially yes. or at dinner yep. table uh with multiple people to have that in the middle and and it fires off to whoever so to- if you're talking to me it Absolutely. shoots that way if it's a person to my right it's, it i mean what a fabulous piece and it's a wonderful and i'm not thing. hearing 15 things around me like i typically would absolutely and even with the hearing aids it's still difficult to hear things sometimes it's still like difficult so especially a around difference. a table yes. and you can't necessarily see everybody right we get back to again you know we, you, we used to really say to them okay now you have to be very strategic about where you sit with things like like this, you still have to be a little strategic sure. because the lip reading is always going to help no matter yeah. what. Yeah. Um, but s- things like this can really help. Yeah, I, I'm very like impressed that. with those. Yeah. Uh, and that disc, this uh, we sits love in all sorts of places for me. And they and this is just one manufacturer, yes. one style. Yeah. All of the manufacturers have things like this, different shapes and sizes, yeah. and, and and we talked terrific. about Bluetooth. Yeah, uh, these are all Bluetooth capable. They are now, all right? Bluetooth and capable. So, like yep. you said, you can stream music, you can stream your TV nowadays. If you've got a smart TV, uh, you can sync it. I've mine synced to my car. It's, I mean, Absolutely. everything. And so when and people laugh at me because I will get up sometimes and and start talking. What are you doing? I got a call, and I <laughs> I just touch my ear basically. Absolutely. I push the button. I answer my call. My phone's still in my pocket. I don't even have to. Look. You don't even uh, have to pull it out. Yeah. And and here's the best thing: it streams to both ears. Yes, correct. Yes, which which is, makes it so much yeah. easier to yeah. hear. Yeah. So it's uh yeah that's been a wonderful improvement is yeah. is the Bluetooth and there are so many things we can do with it, and it's terrific. We. On top of that, every manufacturer has an app that you put yes. on your phone. Yes. And you can use that app for, for changing programs. You can use it just as a volume control. Right, so you're not doing say, this. Yeah. You know, you, you just 
they think you're mm-hmm. checking your email yep. and you're turning up your hearing aid yep. or you switch it to a different program because we can program them for, you know, say you're in a quiet environment, we set it wide open so you get everything. Yep. Face-to-face like this, it narrows down mm-hmm. so that it's only focused sure. on you yep. and that can be very helpful. Oh, yes. I, again, all these things <laughs> I experience and, and, and you're right. These, these are, they're game changers. It's amazing. They really for, are. For somebody that hasn't done it, um, I would tell them, you know, in a heartbeat, go out and try this out because I remember the first time when she fitted me and I sat there with them and she, you know, got on her computer and lit everything up and she, I think she went behind me and rustled some paper and I was like, Oh my work! You what know, is what, that? Yeah, I, I, I think even going back to my office, somebody opened a bag of chips. I don't think I'd heard a, a crinkling uh, like that. Absolutely. In and and again, you just don't yeah. realize uh, the loss of hearing that you're experiencing until yeah. something like this uh, comes back. Until in. yeah. Um, one of the other things I've heard from vets, I didn't like them. I didn't, and I always say. Did you go back to have them re- yes. refitted? Did you go back to ask them? And and I, again, I encourage them all the time. No, don't, you know, because there's veterans out there just because we're stubborn, you know, nope, they didn't work and they They didn't back. work and yeah. in the drawer they go. Yep. 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 And that's a shame it because is. if it's not working or if it's uncomfortable, you know, give us a call. Now, now here's a, an advancement that we've had. It, it was around, but during COVID, it has exploded. I can program your hearing aids at home from my office at the VA. That's amazing. So you call me up and say, "Ah, it sounds awful. Okay, log into this, log Mm -hmm. into that. Let me see what I can do. And we can, we can get it fixed. Um, Now, do you see what they're experiencing kind of, or is it, I mean, you do, you see what, what you're doing for the programming. Mm -hmm. And then you, we're usually doing it over the, the VVC, the, um, Veterans Video Connect. I can never think of what that means. (laughs) Um, And so I can see you. And um, at the beginning, the hardest thing was to to get them to hold it in front of the camera. My hearing aid is broken. Okay, well, let me see it. And they'd go like this. No, no, higher. (laughs) So it was interesting. Uh, But it works. It works well. Now, I will tell you that veterans are a group who want to come in and visit with you in person. They really don't want to do it over the video and they can do that too. Yeah. And that's so, great. It's yeah. it, the options are yep. there for them. And, and I think that makes a big difference. Yep. And, and again, you've spoken to it. We're not using yesterday's technology. This stuff is, I, I've got friends. My father's a prime example because yep. he refuses to go and get them elsewhere. He, you know, he goes to bell tone or whoever and does his thing. And, uh, his are now probably five, six years old. Right. Oh my God! It, the differences between yeah. them and what I'm and using and what you're using is and yeah, and but he's happy. I mean, yeah, and a lot of times know. if they're happy, leave them alone. Correct, right? <laughs> Can you hear me? More or less, okay. Right, well, right. I'll just get in front of you and talk yeah, to you yeah, then. Exactly. Um, so we've done it. We we've gone for another follow up visit, even because something didn't work so, right, and and you've got me fixed up and going. Um, Two or three years down the road, should I expect to, I mean, am I coming in annually to be checked up on or so, how does it work? So different audio- audiologists will handle that mm-hmm. in different ways. Um, so in general, hearing changes very slowly. Mm-hmm. 
So you really only need to be tested every two or three years. Now, sometimes I'll see somebody and they've had a big change in the last two or three years. So I'll say, I want you back in a year. Mm -hmm. Let's see what's really happening here. Um, So generally every two or three years, which syncs up nicely with the three-year warranty that you get on the hearing aid. So at the end of the three years, if it's still working fine, you continue on with it. If it's not quite right anymore, we'll get you new ones. Um, so at that point, a new hearing test, see exactly where you are, mm-hmm. what might have changed, what did you like, what didn't you like, and we can move you forward. And what do you do with that old set? Um, most often, if it's still working, you hang on to it as your backup. Right. So they'll kind of clean them up for you. Yep, and, absolutely. And, and, well, and that's exactly, that's why I went there with that. Yeah. Because that's what I've done. I've got a second You've set. You've got a backup set. Yeah. Uh, typically when I travel, I take my spare with me and, and I leave my others at home. And yep. It just works out well. But that's, again, it, it's. And it's perfect. Who's doing that? Yeah. You know, nobody else out in town is saying, here, let's, let's just give you another pair and we'll give you the old ones. And you backups. keep these ones yeah. and yeah. 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 And we, and even, you know, as you're coming in, if, you know, if the hearing aid gets full of wax, you know, you have As to change do. the little wax guards. <laughs> you have to this and that. They get full of wax. You come on in, um, an audiologist or one of our health techs will see you clean the hearing aid. It'll be just like, no, um, we'll replace the receiver if we need to. We'll replace the, the domes uh, mm-hmm. or the molds right. or whatever we need to do, um, so that we keep you in functioning hearing aids and i can order some of those things myself right i can go to my healthy vet you can go um, or is it uh, it's it's, not actually through my healthy vet you go or actually you know what you've caught me with something i don't know the answer to let's cut that part out usually (laughs) so what happens is when you get the stuff in the mail it comes with a little paper that tells you how to order it and you go online and do it or you mail the paper in and um we have a substantial number of usually the older crowd Mm -hmm. um who are not quite up to doing that and so they call us we order it goes we don't even try and fiddle with that. We just say, no, no problem. I just ordered you some. They'll be coming to the house in a few yeah. days. Yeah, I think I so. emailed Denver. Somebody, yes. a woman in Denver, yep. now we've become friends. And I just, <laughs> hey, I need, you I know, need this. Yeah, I need this size dome yep. with the open port, whatever it is. And, yep. and it's good because it, it again, it just makes it easier. And, it's, and it's, so it's one easy. less visit I've got yep. to come into. And, yep. and exactly. I'm fine with that. But yep. I agree too. Some of the, so, and I'm being one of the older ones nowadays. <laughs> right, right. As I'm um, reaching that yeah, age. <laughs> sometimes I do like doing and get, yep. get service that way. And I found that if I've ever had a problem, I've been able to walk in and, and because they do a walk-in clinic in many of them. Right. Uh, for just those reasons. Yep. And it's like, I don't know. It's just, just not working today. It's just it keeps not going working. out and they'll take it. They'll go out for 10, 15, 20 minutes, whatever it takes. Absolutely. And, Either they bring it back to me or they say, we're going to have to mail it in. Have you got your backup pair? Why, yes, I do. Okay, there we're you go. all set. You're all set. And uh, so they do. They make it easy. And, and Okay, I don't know if we uh, lost the rest of that one. Uh, but uh, okay, let's go to the next uh, tape. This next one uh, involves a related issue that is uh, noise or buzzing sounds uh, or tinnitus. How does the VA test for and deal with tinnitus? Doug, if you'll please roll this final tape. 
And then tinnitus or tinnitus, depending on which doctor I speak with Absolutely. and which day of the week. <laughs> and they're both fine. Again, I speak from experience. I, I've had that for years and years. Yeah. And for me, it's like sitting inside that audiology booth. That's the noise. I mean, uh, there's times when I'm sitting there thinking that's what I'm doing is taking the test again. Or when yeah. I'm in the test, sometimes it's like, oh, is that the real one or am I catching yes. something in my oh, ears? Oh, yes. Yeah, we so, hear that all the time. And you all work with that so, stuff, too. We then. work with that stuff, too. Um, so within the VA, there's a program called Progressive Tinnitus Management, which is a couple of classes that you come to. You learn a lot about it, um, and then you learn strategies for coping. Uh, there are certain pieces of equipment that we can help with. The, the bad news about tinnitus is we can't fix it. The, what we do is we try and cover it up or distract you from it in some other way. Sometimes it's as simple as turning on a fan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a little white noise. A little white noise. A yes. little white noise. People say, I do much better in the summer because the air conditioner is loud. Yeah. You know, um, things like that. If it gets really bad, there are devices that we can give you, either noise mm-hmm. generators or, you know, uh, fancy things built into the pillow to help mm-hmm. you sleep at night. Um, some people will even wear a device that looks like a hearing aid mm-hmm. that puts a different sound in I your see. ear. Um, a lot of hearing aids are both mm-hmm. at this point. They're amplifiers and they're maskers. Mm-hmm. That's the mm-hmm. word we use to describe That's them. Right. So you can flip to a different program and get yourself some relief. Good. And, and it is. It's it's relief. And you're right because it, it's... If I, you know, in the military, of course, your noise level is at 10. Right. Uh, you get out, it may be down to a four or five. Uh, and, and that's when, you know, I, whenever I talk to people, we're doing outreach and we're yeah. talking to veterans. I always ask, do you have any of that ringing and buzzing in your ears? Like, oh, I, I, I don't, I got, I, no, it's a yes or no question. <laughs> You know, no, only on Tuesday nights when I'm watching right. Pat Sajak and Vanna or, you know, and it's like, stop, just give me a straight yeah, answer. And it's always, yeah. almost always, yes, I do. I, and, and it's sometimes, it, and, and oh, because of experience, I, I tell them, you know, look, at, that's how it is usually. You know, the, when the noise levels up, you may not notice it. It's still there probably. You just don't notice it. Like I said, it's mass. It's still there, yeah. 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 So. When we're talking to them, I'll say to them, okay, do you feel like it's there all the time and you just don't notice it when it's noisy? Or does it actually start and stop? And for some people, it does. Mm-hmm. You know, they only get it once a week, you know. And so, and they'll say, yep, it, it starts. I don't know why. And it goes for a half hour, three hours, and then it stops. I don't know why. And yeah, for some people, it's yeah. disruptive for their sleep. Yes. They can't get to sleep because, yeah. and again, you're in a very quiet spot typically. Absolutely. And you're trying to fall yeah. asleep, and all of a sudden you've got You've got you know, this noise in your ear, which, and it could be, and that's, it's a funny thing when the, the guys come in for um, the compensation of vowels. I should say guys and gals. They come in for the compensation of vowels, and we ask them the questions, and we'll say, when did it start? And they'll say, well, you know, when I was in Iraq, it was so noisy that it probably was there, but I just didn't hear it. Right. It was when I got home that I noticed it. And so 
it it's absolutely true that you're that it's usually a kind of a squishy answer when sure. did it start. Well, I you think know? people get nervous answering it because they're like, "Oh, am I going to disqualify myself, <laughs> right. or am I going? Am I lying? You know, what right. am I doing here?" So I think, yes, exactly, it, it's, it's very exactly. common. And one of the questions we get asked often is, "What what test is there that?" So so that's an interesting question. So we don't actually test for it. We do a hearing test, and that tells us a lot about what's going on in the ear mm-hmm. because the ringing or buzzing or hissing or whatever sound you hear is caused by the damaged ear. Mm. So what's happening? Your ear is telling your brain there's a sound when there isn't one uh, because it's not working properly. Um you can have tinnitus without a whole lot of hearing loss. Mm-hmm. You can have it even with normal hearing if you've been in noisy environments. Right, sure. um, but it's, you know, um, we can figure out why you might have it. Mm-hmm. We don't actually test for it because it's... There's subjective. No there is no <laughs> test. I can't, you can't hear look it. in there and just see it. <laughs> I don't see it, <laughs> see and I don't ringing? hear it. <laughs> and, and that's a conversation I, again I have with veterans. We, we do outreach. We we go into the community. And we're talking to veterans, and, and we get into these conversations, yeah. especially. Yeah. And, and that's what. And what, oftentimes, it's like, well, how do they know if I have they? It's through the questions that we ask and, and talking that we do yeah. with you. That's how yep. we'll find out. And and your honesty to simply tell us. That you heard. I, I hear something. Yeah. And it, I could still remember, and it was long after I'd gotten out of the Navy even, but I was doing something one day, and I started looking around the room, and my wife was just staring at me like, what is your problem? I said, you don't hear that? We hear and she's it all like, the time. what? And I'm like, it's just, it's a noise. And, and it was, she goes, it's you. And I'm like, oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to go up to the VA, I think, and <laughs> right. get checked out. And see if I can um, figure out what's going but on. But it is, yeah. for, for, I yeah. mean, and, and there's different types of noises for there people. Are different right? types of noises. It's an interesting thing that some, some of them will come in and they'll say, well, you know, when I was getting out, the, the guy said, you got any ringing in your ears? And I said, no, because what I hear is a buzz. Yeah. And so, you know, it's that we, I try and say, when I ask the question, I try and say to them, do you hear any sounds that you shouldn't hear? And that brings it out. Like, oh, yeah, I've got this clicking. I've got this buzzing. I've got this whatever. Yeah. So there are, there's various yeah. different types of sounds. Each individual has Absolutely. their own kind of thing. Okay. Yeah. You have questions. We have answers. The SITREP is your trusted source for veterans' benefits information with expert analysis and interviews with leaders from the field. To find past shows, podcasts, and other content, search hashtag the SITREP on YouTube. Well, thanks to the VA for all those excellent informative tapes. Before we go on to a few news items, let's go over to Rick Hurley for his thoughts. I found the... uh discussion about the hearing loss in the uh, tonight is tinnitus uh, kind of amusing and you know we we deal on the practical side of of, uh, of those issues probably every day and uh, it seems like when it comes to the, these disability claims and there is a tonight is tinnitus uh, claim and a hearing loss claim it, it seems routinely the veteran will be thrown, and I like to call it a bone, because that's what it seems like, 
because the VA really doesn't want to pay an, an, a larger amount of disability compensation than it has to. And uh, so they'll, they'll throw that 10% out because that's what it is for the max rating for tinnitus, unless it's extremely severe and there's other exceptions, et cetera. But by and large, it's uh, it's a 10% rating. So we'll toss that one out to the veteran and, and uh, deny the other things, and then the veteran starts off the process with a 10%. Uh, Can I add something on that, Rick? But it, Can, let me add something on, on that. Um, you know, a few weeks ago, well, almost uh, about a month ago, you know, the VA published uh, some proposed regulations. They're proposed. They're not final yet. There's a public comment period that, that lasts until uh, April the 18th of this year, and they're proposing to make major changes to a number of the rating criteria, including hearing loss and tinnitus or tinnitus. And and my thought, we can talk about this in more detail um, next week on the show or in one of the upcoming weeks uh, when I'll ha- you know when I can. Uh, fill in with a lot more details than we have time for tonight. But I suspect that these changes, if they go into effect, are going to eliminate what you've just described. In other words, the VA is not going to be handing out, like they have in the past, 10% for, for tinnitus. And I think the VA is just, they've just made the, that's that's what they, uh, uh, they're planning on doing if these changes go through. But they're also proposing major changes to... Um, all the ear, nose, and throat, and respiratory ratings criteria, as well as all the mental health, mental disability. And um, I suspect uh, they're going to be a lot of surprised uh, veterans if these things go through. It'll be interesting to see uh, how much pushback VA gets. But uh, anyway, just a quick uh, quick uh, thought on those things. Yeah, and it, it probably, you know, if, if the VA does that, then it's just going to be more work for the Board of Veteran Appeals, um, which, you know, it seems like that's what's happening anyway. We, we, you and I talked about this, and we've had this discussion on this show many years now about the whole AMA. Uh, we knew it wasn't going to succeed, and all it was going to do was kick the can down the road and, and push everything to the Board of Veteran Appeals where it is and and. Uh, quite frankly, I'm, I'm I'm seeing over the last six months um, a a a slowdown in the scheduling of appeals. Uh, in fact, some jurisdictions that I've I've personally talked to the BVA coordinators, uh, they've been told by their su- superiors, supervisors, uh, to, to hold back. Because the BVA is overwhelmed right now, the BVA, and um, which is unfortunate. I mean, you know, BVA has 113 judges, and I think there's about eight or nine law clerks slash lawyers for each of these judges. So, you know, they they have a lot of manpower there, but even they are now uh, being overworked. And uh, unless unless uh, they decide to add more BVA judges, which I would hope that they would down the road, you know, there might be a, a, a slowdown for a while. So what do you see um, as the waiting time right now? If you were to if you were to call up, um, you know, let's say your average hearing coordinator for a virtual telehearing, uh, what, what are you looking at as far as a wait time? If I were to email one of them tomorrow, 
with, an, with, with a veteran whose case has been docketed, and veterans, what that means is you receive a letter, and in the first, first paragraph it says that your appeal has, is now at the Board of Veteran Appeals and it has been docketed. That doesn't mean it's been scheduled for a hearing. It just means it's been docketed and it's waiting to be scheduled for a hearing. So once you have that piece of paper in your file, uh, I routinely, my practice is routinely, to then shoot out an email. And if it's a Florida case, I can probably get a hearing in June at this point, which isn't bad. So you're looking at three months out, maybe? Yeah. But if it's a non-Florida case, veterans, you veterans who are listening and you're in San Antonio, where I have a bunch of cases, uh, in, in Virginia, where I have a bunch of cases, Alabama, where I have a bunch of cases, uh, you're not, I send those emails out and I don't even get a response. And it's very, uh, it's, it's very disheartening, to tell you the truth, David. Uh, well, well, and, and in, in the rare, when you do get a response, what are you looking at? Are you looking at like maybe six months out, ten months out? Six months out, six months out, eight months out. But but what I'm seeing and what's really troubling is I'm not even getting a response. So, uh, but if you're a Florida kid, and, it, and this is the point, I mean, it shows you, you know, how the different regional offices around the country country are operating. If you've got a case that's documented in Florida, uh, you know, you can get a hearing in three or four months if your case is if your case is now at the at the BBA level. Uh, but, but that's not true for the other other states. And, and and I've got cases in a lot of states, probably at least half or more around the country. So you know that's what's kind of going on around outside of the state of Florida. And I have some clients who, who've moved out of the state of Florida to another jurisdiction, but we're, we're going to keep the case in Florida because the case won't get heard where they've moved. And, and the other thing, though, is, I'm sorry, even once they have the hearing, though, I've seen, and you've probably seen the same thing, wide disparity as far as, how much longer you're waiting to get an actual decision because 99% of the time the judges aren't making a decision at the hearing. I mean, occasionally they might tip their hand or even say something, but that's, you know, in most cases uh, you're waiting times. And I've, I've had cases where you're waiting, um, you know, as much as a year after the hearing right. to get a decision. And some, sometimes not that long. Sometimes it's, you know, I guess right. you might say it might average maybe but But... Uh, I'd say it averages about six to nine months. Yeah. Um, six being very fortunate, especially, you know, if you're on the advanced docket, for whatever reason, you might get one in six months. Um, <clears throat> if you're not, like David said, you could maybe stretch out closer to a year. Uh, the other thing that I'm seeing, which is also very troubling, is I've got a number of cases where the, the VA... Uh, case went up to the Board of Veteran Appeals. It's an old case. We we get the veteran to 100%. It goes back to the VA for further 
further processing, uh, maybe to get through veteran to 100%. And the case was has an effective date of 2010. So the veteran gets service-connected 100%, but they don't use the effective date of 2010. They, they use another date closer to the present. It could be like 2019 or 2020. And now the veteran gets 100% as of that date, gets a, a, a $30,000 to $50,000 retro payment. But what's left on the table is the retro payment from the time of the, effect, uh, the case was filed, which is clearly the effective date, until 2019 or 2020, which is probably maybe over 100000 maybe closer to 200000 And what's troubling is there are a number of cases out there that that's what's going on. And uh, I have no doubt in my mind that there's a, there's a, there's a, they're procrastinating, they're purposely delaying because they don't want to pay, have to pay out that, that large lump sum retro payment. Yep. And they're just going to uh, sit uh, on uh, it and wait and wait and wait. And who knows, maybe the veteran ends up dying. Yeah. I mean, you know, who knows why the VA is doing it but except for the fact that they don't want to pay it. And right. they're hoping maybe something will happen if they don't have to pay it. Eventually, they will have to pay it. But yeah. well, Rick, we're about out of time now. We're, we're going to have to wrap things up here. And, uh, unfortunately, we're past our time for coaching and to care. So we can discuss this in more detail next week and get more of your insights. But uh, thanks for everyone uh, listening to the Veterans News Hour tonight. I'd like to thank our uh, producer, Mr. Doug Newsom. Please tune in next week, same time and station, for another edition of the Veterans News Hour. Until then, stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you for listening to the Veterans News Hour with David Corey and Richard Hurley. We hope you found this week's program very informative. Be sure to invite your friends and all the veterans you know to tune in next week when we'll have another great show on veterans' issues. Meanwhile, you can listen to our other recorded episodes on the Veterans News Hour webpage on bbsradio.com. Thanks again for listening to the Veterans News Hour.